0: Hey friends and clever listeners. Guess what? We are almost at 200 episodes. Can you believe how old we are? That means we have hundreds of episodes of interesting stories from fascinating people. So go to your podcast app or cleverpodcast.com slash episodes dash list and scroll through all of them to pick out the ones you haven't heard yet. It also means that we're getting ready for a big celebration. More on that later. Stay tuned. In the meantime, we're queuing up a few extra memorable episodes from the Archive to commemorate this upcoming milestone. So if you have any favorites or requests, be sure to let us know. Is there someone special you'd really love to hear from for episode 200? Or maybe there's an interview from a while back that has really stuck with you. We live for this, so please leave us a comment on Instagram or, even better, Email us a voice memo. You know we love to hear your voice. Send it to hello at cleverpodcast.com. And now, please enjoy this encore presentation.
1: Hey, Amy is Terry.
0: Hey, Terry, thank you for talking to us.
1: Oh, this is great. We talked about it in a while. I, uh, I couldn't wait to do it. It's good.
0: Oh good. So, so just to orient you, you remember who we are? Jamie's whose art show you went to?
1: Oh no, I do and then okay. you are friends with my, my guy, Ron.
0: That's right, that's right. Oh, you're looking very dashing in your Skype photo. <laughs> it, that's going to intimidate me if I look at that the whole
1: time. It's <laughs> <laughs> like uh, high fashion, that's the deal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Jamie. And I'm Amy,
0: and this is Clever. Today our guest is the artist Terry Cruz. You may be thinking, hmm, I haven't heard of an artist named Terry Crews. Aha, but
2: you have, because he is that Terry Crews. You know the actor who used to be a linebacker in the NFL? He's President Camacho from the movie Idiocracy, one of the best movies ever, Sergeant Terry Jeffords from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and the hilarious high-intensity dude from the Old Spice commercials. I mean, he's probably one of the most lovable dudes in show business. Mm Mm-hmm. He's also an author.
0: He's written a memoir entitled Manhood, how to be a better man or just live with one. And perhaps most importantly, he's a husband, father and outspoken feminist.
2: You're probably thinking, what does Terry Crews have to do with design?
0: Yeah, well, we were thinking the exact same thing when he first started showing up on the design scene.
2: Well, he is all up in the furniture design business now and you'll hear all about that in our talk, but he's not just another design entrepreneur. He's a patron of the arts, a
0: powerful advocate for design, a benefactor to emerging talent, and a
2: true creative to the core. Yeah, he's really inspiring. So you guys, let's go.
1: My name is Terry Cruz. I'm in Los Angeles. And I am an actor, comedian, artist, husband, dad, and all of the above.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your
2: small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job,
0: but might be open to the perfect role, like me. Hey, clever friends. If you'll be in New York City this month for Design Week, I want you to come to the Emerging Designer Showcase. It's at the Javits Center during ICFF, on the main stage, Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Think of it kind of like lightning round mini critiques plus professional speed dating all rolled into one. And it's genuinely entertaining. Here's how it works. On stage, five rising design talents will each present their work to a group of illustrious industry professionals for real talk advice and critical feedback. And for better or worse, this all happens in front of a live audience. We've hand-selected a phenomenal group of designers for this year's show, and we have a star-studded lineup of very discerning industry pros who will be up there with them. The Emerging Designer Showcase is presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Again, that's Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. at ICFF at the Javits Center. You can register to attend for free at ICFF.com with our special promo code D-A-P-M-C-L-E-V-E-R. See you there. I like that. That's all-encompassing. That's full-spectrum individuality right there. (laughs) Okay, so normally we like to start at the beginning of your life. But in this case, Jamie and I are dying to ask you about a more recent development, which is Amen and Amen. We understand that you launched a furniture line called Amen and Amen at Salon Satellite in Milan, and we need to know all about it. Wow. So first, tell us how it came about.
1: Basically, it started almost 10, 11 years ago with my friend, and he's a fashion designer. His name is Nana Boateng. And all we do is travel the world and talk art. I mean, it's so funny because my even my wife is just a little like, all right, you guys just go do that. <laughs> and uh, I'll be over here, you know. But we've gone all over the world. We've been to Brazil, Paris, you know, London, and all over the United States. and And we just love anything beautiful furniture be it fashion be it art be it anything we just have a real kind of ai you know, don't know what you call it a lust for life but he has designed all kinds of fashions for Jimin hunsu david beckham forrest whitaker all these guys and his cousin is actually Oswald Boateng.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you that. The Savile Row um, yes. fashion designer.
1: Exactly. And that's his cousin. He's originally from Ghana. And uh, we just befriended each other. He, he basically picked me because I was a big guy. And he was like, you know, I want to find a muscular frame that I could do some suits for and you know because you're a challenge because this is the thing he was the kind of guy who would pick you and it's not the other way around you know <laughs> you couldn't find him it wasn't like he had a store it was just like when when Nana Team picks you 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 pick but we ended up being really really good friends and he basically makes everything I wear suit wise shirt wise for the last 10 11 years okay Oh, nice so we developed this big big friendship and relationship but so I would, you know, being an artist myself, I would come up with different things. I would, you know, we would clip magazines and different stuff and we would say, man, try let's try this, let's do this. And we had a real, like, gung-ho mentality about it. You know, it was wild because I kept telling him, I said, you know, furniture is just like fashion. And I, we would go into some of these hotels and see some of this stuff. And I was like, man, look, you know, I would love to see you know, how we could redo this room or redo this lobby, you know? <laughs> you know? And it was wild because that conversation just kept happening. And finally, it was wild because I, I, I had another friend by the name of Eni Archibald. Oh, yes, wow. we know Eni. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I met Enie uh, back before he went to Art Center. Um, and oh, wow. It was years ago. This was like, again, this was around 10 years ago. So you're talking about, I ran into Nana about two years before I met any, You know, it's been a little more than a decade. And, and Annie was another guy where I met him at a, he was working for a menswear place um, here in Pasadena where I lived.
0: Oh, that makes sense. He's always very well put together.
1: Exactly. And he was <laughs> working, and again, fashion, you know, furniture, product design, it's design. Oh.
2: It's all related, yeah. It's
1: -hmm. all related, and so Eddie and I just started talking. And every time I went into the store where he worked, we would have more conversations, you know. And he was telling me how he was going to go to Art Center and all thing, and I was like, "Cool, man. You know, I'm cheering for you." Well, literally almost two years ago, you know, we had got out of contact. Not I and I have been doing things together, but Eddie and I. I got out of contact and I said, I wonder what happened to any, you know? So I started to search and I found him on LinkedIn and oh, cool. I, I reached out, you know, via LinkedIn and I get a hit back like, Hey man, it's me. It's any, I live in Switzerland. I graduated art center. I studied in Singapore. I now am getting my master's in luxury at, at a school, a university in Switzerland.
2: I want
0: my master's in luxury. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, Andy, that's great, man. You know, and I hit him up and I couldn't believe he just got married and all things. So he's living in Basel, Switzerland, studying luxury. So I say, I said, Andy, check it out. I'm going to fly to Switzerland and visit you. And I'm going to bring my friend Nana. And Literally, it was probably three months later, during my break and my hiatus, I had, li- I had just hosted the New Year's Eve show for NBC with Carson Daly, and the next day, on New Year's Day, I flew to Basel, Switzerland, and we met with Any. I was so impressed by all the things he was doing, I just said, you know what, man, whatever you want to do, I will commission you to do. I said, I don't know what, whatever it is. If it's a watch you want to make or, and I had a budget. I said, you, you can do it within this budget. Let's make something happen. Let's just do something. Well, oh
0: my God, that's a dream benefactor right there.
1: One of the biggest things for me is that kills artists all the time is competition. And, you know, everyone tries to get you to dumb your things down oh, so that yes. you can make it sell and, Okay, we have to sell this thing. I said, Look, I'm going to give you no pressure. There's no pressure at all. We don't have to sell whatever you make. I mean, that's not even what we're trying to do. And what I said was, it was kind of weird because they were like, Even my wife was like, Why are you doing this? I said, You know, sometimes shit just got to get made.
0: Well, it's true. And you can really expand your creativity if you're not hemmed in by things like, well, this isn't gonna sell or this is gonna cost too much to ship.
1: And exactly. And I told, and that's what any was telling me. He said, you know, a lot of times at schools, they would always tell them to calm it down because it's not gonna sell. It's too wild or it's too this. And I was like, you know what? Let's just be as creative as possible. I gave him two rules. I said. You have to, I don't want any input at all. I don't want anything to do with it. And the second rule is that you have to be as creative as possible. We have to take this to the next level. And I said, I trust you. And I want you to go about this, like it's an art piece, you know what I mean? And lo and behold, he made a lighting sculpture, a, uh, a, a, a couch, a coffee table and an end table. And he basically designed it all in a 3d world. You know, it didn't actually exist. Uh, But he sent me over the the pictures and I said, this is it. Let's do it. Oh man. And, but what happened was he sent the designs into Salon de Mobile in Milan Mm -hmm. and it was accepted into Salon Satellite, which was their emerging designers forum. And so now he says, look, man, it got accepted. If, if we can get this done, we can get it into Salone. And I was like, well, we got to do that. And we got it done. I mean, we shifted into overdrive. We got marble carved by Vincent Dubois. We got Matteo Gonet did hand-blown glass. Uh, It was insane. I mean, we were just doing so much. I mean, I remember just sending money everywhere. (laughs) 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 But it was was so much fun because he was sending me back all these pictures of, of all this stuff getting made. And I actually had my assistant fly over and get video of the glass being blown. And he took photos in Switzerland of all the others, the marble getting attached to the glass.
0: Oh, it's so exciting when it starts to come together, isn't it?
1: It was like to have a thing that was in our head. And then he actually secured our good friend Nolan New to put together the design of the, the couch.
0: Oh, yeah. So Nolan's here in L.A. We know Nolan.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the couch was made right here in Los Angeles in his factory. So I would fly any back and forth from Basel. He came about three times and he would check on how everything was going and and Nolan is the, I mean, anything you tell him to do, he actually makes it better. That That was what was so shocking. It was like you know, we had an idea of what we wanted, and then Nolan came through beyond belief and made it actually better than what we thought it would be, <laughs> you know? Well, that is
0: the hallmark of a fantastic collaboration right there. Oh, Absolutely was
1: insane, and so we shipped everything over to Milan, and I had my fingers crossed, and I, I you know, I got an Airbnb for everybody, and, you know, my wife and I went and we secured our, our hotels and all that. I mean it was a big giant operation and you know what was funny cuz I didn't know what was going to happen you know you, you just wonder, like what what is this going to mean what is this going to happen and let me tell you when it, you know that's when the problem started when we got there it was like okay we need this for the booth we need this but it was like it was a major operation
0: uh-huh it's no small feat
1: Oh, no, it was no small feat. I mean, it was everything had to be done. It was customs to go through and all this, but we did it. And I said, and I told Annie and said, you know, there's no stopping two people who want to see something get done. You will always, always complete it. Like, it's like marriage. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if two people want to be together, there's nothing that will ever stop them from being together, ever. And it's the same thing if you ever want to accomplish something, if you have two people that want to see it done, and the only reason something doesn't get done is because one person fell out. That's just the truth. You know what I mean? One person decided, nah, I'm not going to go all the way. But I said, there's no end to this for me. I'm going to finish this and see this all the way through. And it was a smash. And I mean smash. We had all the magazines and all the officials from Salone were there and taking photos and all the design companies came through and they were like, I'll never forget walking out. And the, one of the executives from a design company, furniture design company, Mui came Mm -hmm. to me and tapped me on my shoulder. And he's like, is this you? Is this you? And I was like, I said, well, it's me and Annie Archibald. He said, Oh my God. He said, it's the best piece in the show. Oh, that feels so good. We were getting reactions from, you know, Jerry Helling, the president of Bernhardt Design. And they loved, I mean, people were all, all I could hear was just the, the the decor magazines. And then Dwell came and did a huge interview with me and Annie. And then we did a photo shoot in New York afterward. And it just came with all this buzz, you know what I mean? And it was worth it. It was worth it. It's one of the most satisfying, most amazing to actually be in Milan. And this is the thing. Nana and I, the reason we were actually talking about doing clothing first, we had last made up for shoes and and clothing. But the thing is, because of any and this furniture opportunity and, and the fact that Nana and I have been talking furniture for so long, and we had always intended them getting into it, But we said we have to take it as it goes. I call it riding the log. You know, it's kind of like there's a log in a stream and you grab it and it might take you right or it might take you left. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but you don't want to fight the current. (laughs) Right. Don't let go. See, a lot of
1: times people will let go of the log and they try to swim left and you end up in a bad place. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And you, you end up marooned and you're not going anywhere. And my thing was, listen, if the log is going right, grab the log and let's go. And let's go <laughs> all the way. So it took this furniture route and it's getting bigger and better. And we both of us are so glad and ecstatic of the reaction and how, how well it's been received.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, just to describe it for our listeners, it's a series of mostly glass Furniture, right? Am I correct?
1: Yes. a coffee table and end table have hand-blown legs, uh, glass legs, which is unprecedented. I mean, the legs are on, but they're solid glass. Oh
2: yeah, it looks sturdy. And there's these beautiful color gradients running down the legs and, and there's matching lighting sculpture that is gorgeous. It's a piece that really shows that you were interested in commissioning not only design, but art.
1: Exactly. But that can only be done if you let people be as creative as possible. People would have said, OK, you can't make glass legs, so let's just stop that. You know, Yeah. yeah. and, you know, we even had a, a thing where we're going to have to make some changes, but we have a marble. It's the in the lighting sculpture. It's marble on the top and it's immensely heavy, like it's crazy heavy.
0: Yeah, it's a machined marble medallion, right? And all of the textures yes. are sort of perforating the marble plane and dripping down through it in a, just a gorgeous way. It's got a lot of sensuality.
1: It's, that, it's actually as if the marble was dripping. But the thing is, it's extremely heavy. Like, there's liability issues.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't want that shit falling off a ceiling. That yeah. would kill someone. It's, like, it's
1: basically like walking under a piano. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, now, you would have a lot of people say, you can't do that but We decided to do it anyway. You know what I mean. Now we can always make changes. We can make it out of another substance. We can do some other, some other thing, or or whatever to make it safer. Or you can just make sure that a company is going to, bear, you know, make sure it's extremely secure wherever it goes. But it's one of those things where we there were no limits. Like we just said, whatever we're going to think, let's do.
0: Yeah, you broke some of the cardinal rules of design as well, which is don't put marble overhead and don't make legs out of glass. But it's always really exciting when that happens, when people sort of take those risks and rebel in that way. Exciting stuff comes from it.
1: Well, that's what we did. There was a lot of rebellion involved, there were rules that were broken, but it let you know what's possible. You know, and i, I always said, in, in regards to my life, is that I exist. To show you what's possible you know it's almost like every person's life you're you're supposed to be about what is possible the the reason you're standing right where you are is because you are now the example of possibilities and if you go about your life like that you know how special you are you know what i mean it's like you feel like you're just normal and everything's regular but you are a confluence of a whole lot of accidents (laughs) You know, a I mean? whole lot of beautiful things that have magically thrown together to become who you are. And I think it's the same way with art. It's the same way with creativity. And I wanted to encourage that. It felt good to be a part of this and to be, you know, someone who could make this stuff happen. I've been waiting for years to be like the initiator like this.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it was baking for a long time. Yeah, and
0: welcome to the design world. It's fun to have an exciting new player on the team like this.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Clever is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. A recent episode took Brad to Venice, where he connected with Eve Ubelman, a partner whose company, Econem, has developed a game-changing technique for creating digital architectural models so comprehensive they've been dubbed twins. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, Eve and his team used drone-captured photography and powerful AI to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Support for Clever comes from Wix Studio. Instead of reading you another, let's be honest, boring ad script, Wix Studio just sent me this wild looking Alice in Wonderland themed website to scroll through and tell you about. So, whoa, this is not the web I'm used to. There's something called Mouse Parallax, which makes it feel like you can go deeper into the screen. And as I scroll down, it's like I'm falling down the rabbit hole and things are moving in depth and perspective. Hey, Clever listeners, we're getting excited for New York Design Week in May. This year will be better than ever. ICFF, North America's leading platform for contemporary design, will take place from May 19th to the 21st at the Javits Center in New York City. I'll be there, and I'm excited to let you know how Clever is collaborating with ICFF for Launchpad at Wanted, formerly known as Wanted Design Manhattan, and the Emerging Designer Showcase. and they will go on to be featured in another edition of the popular Emerging Designers Showcase. I'll be leading the Emerging Designers Showcase live on the talk's main stage, where the five Launchpad finalists will have a chance to present their projects to our esteemed panel of professionals. It's always a really good time. So mark your calendars for Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Both Launchpad and the Emerging Designer Showcase are presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Visit icff.com to learn more and register to attend. Those are the letters icff.com. Come by and say hi. I would love to see you there.
1: i grew up in Flint, Michigan. But as a kid, I was an artist—painting, drawing, everything I knew was art involved. I mean, I, I was in high school; I had my pieces would always be in the showcase in the high school, and uh, but I would be also be on the football team, so I did both. Um, and I saw no real difference with that. Like I never had a problem with running with the art kids and then going right with the football team. It was just I could do a mind switch. In that way, it was like, okay, shift your head into this frame of mind, and now you're over here. Um, I've, I've always been left handed, right brained kind of guy, but I love sports. And what was wild is that with this and with all that stuff, it really became uh, my, you know, just who I am. With the fact that I am an artist too, I came about it as if. It was like, what would I want if I was doing this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's the approach that I took. It was almost like, even with acting, I take the approach of, you know, if I was this character, what would I do? You know, what would you like? And, And so when I do it that way, artists can get me and they can understand because I'm one myself. And I've always loved design. I was a graphic design major in college. Art was my thing. Even though I didn't get a degree because I actually left... I had 12 credits left at my university, and I went and got drafted by the Los Angeles Rams. And I went on to play football and the whole thing. But when I would get cut from my football teams, I would go back in the locker room and ask players if they would like portraits painted of them. And that's how I survived for years. Really? I was painting portraits of football players, of their families. I mean, all this. My thing was a, I was a very, you know, I would do a lot of real, photo realism, but I would mix it in like a unique way. I would have like athletes standing over cities, over the skylines, and the whole thing. And I, I did a thing called it was the larger than life series. So I would have all these sports guys doing all these great things. And and believe me, as, as egotistical as most. Athletes are, they loved it and ate it up. That's how I, I
2: that's
1: how I got paid. You know what I mean? That's how you stay paid, you know, <laughs> play with their ego. It's all good. <laughs> the local media would always give me this write-ups where I was like this, you know, football playing artist. And I was featured in sports illustrated years ago, before I was an actor as an artist. And I mean, it's wild because I never thought I would become an actor ever. I always thought I would be involved in special effects or behind the scenes and much more in the creative, you know, stuff. I thought I'd be painting backdrops, to be honest, in movies and stuff like that.
0: That's so interesting. And yet there's a real through line to everything because um, you're both tough and sensitive, which is kind of critical to being an artist. I mean, you have to have a high degree of empathy and creativity in order to even pour yourself into work like that, which seems like those are also two characteristics that are really necessary in acting. And yet both of those fields are so difficult. You have to be tough as nails. Yes. And so you seem like the perfect combination of those two things. And I'm still so surprised that society treats them like they're disparate when they're really just, you know, two sides of the same coin sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about acting is art, what I what I did was transfer everything that you know that it would take to make a painting or, or to really make a really great illustration, and then you channel that into acting. You know that's what I would do. Like I'm going to illustrate this character. If I'm going to play Terry Jeffords, I'm illustrating who Terry Jeffords is, and you do that by showing. You know the, the reason you say action is by movement and. You know, it's not like we read it on the page, but you you act it out. You bring it out. And same thing with illustration. You have something in your mind, but unless you illustrate it, unless you act it out, you're, no one's going to get it and no one's going to see it. Right. So it's, it's the same thing. It's the same discipline, but using a different medium. It's like, to me, I, I almost describe it as, as like dance. Dance is totally just like illustration. Because you're trying to convey what message you're trying to convey. What story, what narrative are you trying to to put out? But you do it through your body. Well, I do it the same way, but in in an acting thing. And on film or television or whatever. And I am like, now I'm the brush. Now I'm the paint. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's really, when you think of it like that, it, it totally, you get it. Um, But there seems to be a disconnect. I I, I see this a lot because I think school, to some degree, has learned to chop these things up. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, you know, I think in the essence of competition, it tends to put people against each other in order to, you know, all the graphic artists are over here and all the dancers over here and all the actors over here. When truthfully it's all the same, it's truly all the same.
0: Yeah. There needs to be more stress on interdisciplinary studies. I think instead of trying to corral people into specific boxes and then specialize in things.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because it's almost like little cults. you know what I mean? Uh, You know, it's funny because it's really weird you get to a point where if you are a cartoonist or an animator, they actually dress the same. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: There's a uniform.
1: Yeah, there's a uniform. It's like whoever was the number one animator or cartoonist or whatever out there, everyone would dress like him. And they would say, okay, he's the guy. And so let's. this is how you do it. But if I was to come in wearing a suit, Everyone would go, what in the world? You're not you're not a cartoonist, you're not, but I can sit down and do it. Right. And they would go, whoa, wait a minute. This is now messed up our paradigm. You know, <laughs> yeah. these, parad- these paradigm, <laughs> they put you in these little boxes. You know what I mean? But I don't ever subscribe to any of those boxes. I never ever set in any of them because it keeps you there. There's an African-American box that you sit in. Mm-hmm. That says, "Okay, all my things need to be this way," but I've never sat in that box. You know what I mean? There's an artist box that you have to be in. There's a football player box that you stay mm-hmm. in. You know, it's funny because people have tried to even announce me as former football player, and I'm like, oh, "You're not." I mean, look, if I ever worked at McDonald's, am I a former McDonald's? You know, hamburger flipper? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm whatever I am now. <laughs> you know, I'm like. The fact that I was a former or whatever, it doesn't really, that helps you, but that doesn't really help me. You know what I mean? I don't want to be in any of those boxes, but I love just trying new things, being in a new place and shaking it up. Like, okay, yeah, I'm here. What do you think? And I'm going to try this. This is what, it's kind of wild with, with the furniture world. When I was in Milan, it was, it was it was a shocking thing because I had a lot of people who came up to me and they were like, why are you here?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of like that too. Let's find out more about this.
1: There's a big, big, like uh, after every night in Salone and Milan, everybody gets together at a place called Barbasso and they stay up Mm -hmm. all night. And I went down there and I went down there for two or three nights. It was fabulous. But the question I was getting, they were like, you're here. What are you doing here? What are you doing? And I said, I am enjoying the the, the company of the people who are going to design everything in the world over the next 10 years. And that's the truth. It was when I, when I literally thought about the circle that I was in and I thought about who was out there. And I mean, the, 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 crowd spilled into the street. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I said, and I told my wife, I said, everyone here, the people who are here, I want to design the way this world looks over the next 10 years. And I, and I was, I, it was felt like I was on on holy ground. You know what I mean? It was like, I mean, I met, I ran into Bjarke Ingalls and I was, yeah. just, you know, and I'm running into Mark Thorpe, and I'm running into all these, just these great names and people, and know uh, David Weeks is there, and Nolan, you know. Uh, I mean, it's just so incredible the names that I was watching, that I always knew and saw, and now I'm meeting them. And this is the reason I I, I went right over into New York Design Week right after Milan. I came back out for the New York Design Week and mm-hmm. felt the same energy. I got to hang with. Sebastian Erasueres, who -hmm. I'm like, I think he's the modern day Warhol. He's
2: incredible.
1: Absolutely incredible. In fact, I let him stay. I have a downtown apartment. I said, you stay there. You know, I don't want you staying anywhere else. (laughs) I'm taking care of my art friends. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because I, listen, I value the world so much. It's funny because the term starving artist is so commonplace because that's how much respect that the world gets. You know, it doesn't get a lot of respect. It's weird because people go, Oh man, you can draw. You should be making a million dollars, but these guys don't get noticed until after they're dead (laughs) years. You know what I mean? Uh, It's wild. It's a very tough living. It's tough and the artists don't get the respect they deserve. And, And you know, they become bitter. They become hurt and they get real cynical. Mm-hmm. And, my, and I always feel like it's my job to almost therapize artists sometimes, you know, because you have to you have to wake them up out of the because they've been hurt a lot. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're wounded.
1: They are. They're very wounded people. They're like actors. Actors are very wounded. Usually you line up. It's a cattle call. They so say you, you and the rest of you can go home. And, yeah. you know, it, it's hurtful. It's mm-hmm. just painful. It's a painful life. But I tell them on the way out, it's like, dude, it's worth doing. Hey, it's worth doing. Imagine any neighborhood that you ever had. You don't want to move in people with money. and You don't want to move in a bunch of stockbrokers. You want to move in artists. Because as soon as you move artists into your neighborhood, your values go up. Yeah. Because they are going to improve your neighborhood. They have vision. And without vision, what are you going to do? You have nothing. You have nothing. And when I look at a guy like Sebastian and his vision for life, his vision for things, I say, man, this is what the world needs. You need this more than you need charity. A lot of people think, okay, let's just find ways to give money to the poor and give money. To... I say, no, no, no. You can give, you give money to the artists. They'll inspire the poor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> It's so true because a lot of artists are poor themselves, you know? But if you give it to them and they change a situation, change the way you look at something. Like Maya Angelou said this to me. This is one of the biggest quotes that i ever heard. It's like, if you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, change the way you see it. That is the artist's life. 100%. Wow. And I said, that is what art is all about changing the way you see things changing the way these things are viewed so that you can understand it right and i i, I love that it and it, had, and it crosses all disciplines from from product design to art to i mean me being in salone i said you know i saw a wall it was a fur wall. They had fur wallpaper. <laughs> I mean, that was, it was a fake fur, but it was like this genetically, you know, they, they had made this fur and and it was a poofy wall. And I said, I would do that. Yeah. That I never even thought about that. But you go, my God, you know, this is the, the changing the way you see things is necessary because if you don't, we're just going to stick in this conundrum of, of, of what we have. And it's just going to all look like you know, everything's just going to look crappy. <laughs> you know, I love this world. I love, design. And let me tell you, the, the blog, Design Milk, I mean, you guys, I've been following it for a long time, but it's like, oh my God, I want that. I want that. Every time I come around, it's like a new thing. I'm like, I want this. Because <laughs> it changes the way you see a chair or see a building or see architecture. That's why I got like Bjarki Ingalls. Again, he makes this building that looks like a, Skateboard ramp. You're like, what? And it's right there. You know, it changed the whole New York skyline. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is the guy I want to hang out with. These are the people that I'm inspired by.
0: Well, you have a real penchant for trying everything. You said that you exist to show people what the possibilities are. And you're paying homage to all of these other people who also show people what the possibilities are. Where do you attribute this fearlessness that you have to try everything and go into uncharted territory and completely unknown situations and experiences and just put yourself out there? I mean, that takes a lot of courage. Where did that come from? Did that come from childhood or something you developed over the years? Is it discipline? What do you say?
1: I tell you, um, growing up in Flint, Michigan,
0: yeah, I, I grew up in Ipsilani around the same time that you were in Flint and Flint was harder hit than Ypsilanti for sure. But that was economically depressed. That's when all the auto plants were closing and it was a it was a pretty bleak place to grow up.
1: It was very, very bleak. I grew up in the middle of the whole decline of the auto industry and the rise of the crack epidemic. So it was, you're talking double whammy mm-hmm. uh, in a major, major way. This is what I'm talking about. A lot of people think that that the, that your environment creates how you feel, but the opposite is actually true. The people create the environment. And I'm going to tell you what the environment was. The environment in Flint, Michigan was you had scores and scores of people who were super creative, super imaginative, and amazing, and they all traded it in for security. They traded in all of that, so that they could get a secure job on, at, at General Motors or whatever auto plant. My grandmother worked for AC Spark Plug for over forty years. You know, she put uh, you know a nut on a bolt and sent it on its way, and did that every day for almost ten hours for forty years. She had dreams, she had goals, and she traded it all in for security. Now, again, she was doing better than her parents did. Mm-hmm. But when I was coming up, I was like, that is not going to be me. I don't need security. You know what? If that's security, I don't want it. Because what happened is everyone found out that it wasn't secure in the first place.
0: Right. The rug got pulled out from underneath.
1: Oh, when it all ended and they found out they weren't secure, they all wished they had started that idea. Wished they had went after that dream. Wished that they had done what they always wanted to do. But it was too late. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you, it was like body snatchers. I mean, walking, it was literally Walking Dead. They were like, I tri- I put all this in here and it's gone? Are yeah. you serious? And people went nuts. People were going crazy. They, they started selling drugs. They started going going after people. It was a lot of murders. I mean, for a long time. Flint, mm-hmm. Michigan was the murder capital of the United States. Okay because people were like, you tricked me, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you got it, people got entitled and all, it was just nuts. And the whole thing was when I was growing up, people were telling me, cause I was tell people I had big dreams and they were like, you know what, you know, what makes you think you're going to get your thing. And it was a lot of that going on. I mean, there was a lot of like, anytime you even tried to be the crab that crawled on the top, of the bucket, and it was like another one that just kind of, whoa, pull you back down, you know. I had a coach who told us, you know what, y'all ain't going to do anything. You ain't going to do nothing. (laughs) And that was his way of positive reinforcement, right? Like, he thought thought that he was going to just kind of scare us straight into like, okay, no, I'm going to do something. No, you ain't going to do nothing. The problem is 99% of the people believed him. That yeah. was the problem. I it's never believed heartbreaking. it. It's heartbreaking. And
2: this happens to a lot of creative people, too.
1: Tons. They tell you. You, you, you can't you, do that. You can't do that. What are you doing? What, be a lawyer. Be a doctor. It's more secure. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of lawyers out there and a lot of doctors who hate what they do. And they're doing it because of someone else. Let me tell you what the, what the essence, what the whole meaning, what success means is doing what you want. You are successful if you are doing what you want. But imagine, if you make $100 million doing what somebody else wants you to do, you ain't successful. (laughs) That's the truth. Because you're miserable. Because you're not doing what you want. You're doing, you're making $100 million doing what somebody else wants you to do. And you hate life. And that's why money will never satisfy. That's why... It doesn't work. That stuff doesn't work.
2: With all those people telling you you can't do that and what makes you so special, what was it inside of you that kind of kept you going? Because there's a lot of people who who might be listening who have that experience. Yeah, they might be tempted to believe that story.
1: A long line for amen and amen. It's a quote. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he said, God will not have his work made manifest by cowards. Let me tell you, when I heard that quote, God will not have his work made manifest by cowards. You have to be brave all the time. You have to stand up to everybody. When everyone is going left, you have to be able to go right. That's courage. That's what the essence of courage is. You got to understand, I was seeing the results of what all these people were saying. And they were bad. You know, let me tell you, people think it's the worst thing growing up in Flint. No, it's the best thing because I actually saw what these people were talking about and where they ended up. And whereas if you're in a nice city and someone could tell you that, you don't really feel the thing. It's kind of like they say the frog in water syndrome. If you put a frog in hot water, he'll just jump right out. But if you put a frog in lukewarm water and turn up the heat, he'll just sit there and die. I was a frog in hot water. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, get me the
2: hell out of here as fast yeah, as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, get, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. This is crazy. You people are talking crazy. You know, <laughs> And I did, because when they would tell you, you, know, you ain't going to do nothing, and and what makes you think you're gonna? I'm like, dude, it's better than what you're doing. I said, look, what am I supposed to do? I mean, trade it in and go work in a factory somewhere and for them to yank it out from under me? I said, that's not going to be me. I'd rather do what I like. Let me tell you, when I retired from the NFL, I had problems because we didn't have any money. I wasn't a, a successful guy playing in the league and a whole thing. So my wife and I, we said, look, let's just move to L.A., you know, because we can be broke anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> right. Why be broke here? Let's be broke in the sunshine. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know Smart you have to think of it like that. If you're going to crash and burn, at least crash and burn doing what you want to do. Crash and burn on your terms. Don't let somebody else have your steering wheel and crash and burn your car for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to drive off the cliff, that's going to be me driving off the cliff, not you.
0: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. But let me tell you, the
1: magical thing was is that as I was driving, new things kept popping up. Great things kept happening. Like, it, we didn't crash and burn. In fact, it got bigger. It got better. Those The bits of courage that I showed always, always paid off in the end. Artists are the most courageous people ever. And let me tell you, when you see a true artist who stands up and does a thing everybody wishes they were there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I wish I could train and all that and be that brave. Let me tell you something. It's the only one way to live. It's only one way to live. And you gotta trust your gut. It's that voice that's deep inside that says, just do it. That's it's the reason why I went to Milan. It's the reason why I'm acting now. The first acting audition I ever went on, I remember asking my wife. I said, this guy's invited me to act. I'm like, I never thought I could do it. But what do you think? She says, honey, we don't have anything. So what, what, what are you going to do? You know, just try it. We, we, you could just go home afterwards and the whole thing, but why don't you just give it a shot? And that's what I learned. It's like, you do a lot of things and try them to see if you like them. And it, this is the deal. I found out that acting was my calling just by trying it. I mean, I didn't know. You know, it's like Kobe, you give Kobe a basketball. If Kobe had been raised in South Africa, he may have been an okay soccer player. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) See, somehow he got a basketball and he became one of the greatest who ever played. But that's how I feel because you try it and you do it. How will you ever know? The best oil painter out there hasn't even painted yet. He's just never even touched oils yet. But if you try it, you might turn around and be like, holy cow, this guy is amazing. But if you don't, you'll never, ever know. That is my greatest fear. Like, I'm not scared of anything except not doing all that I'm supposed to do. I want to live my life saying, man, when it's over, he did everything. and He got everything he was supposed to get in his lifetime. I don't want anything that belongs to anyone else. But I want 100% of what was supposed to be for Terry Crews. Anything with my name on it, I got it. I'm taking it.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm taking notes. I want to live like you. So wait, I have an important question, though. If you found your calling in acting, did you know instantly or a lot of people are struggling with that question? Like, what is my calling? And you probably have some real insight to this because I'm sure there were parts that were a struggle and you have to get through those. But somehow you still know it's your calling. How did you
1: know? Well, first of all, I knew we knew we were supposed to be an entertainer. We knew we, we we were just in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? I actually had my portfolio in at Disney a couple of times. I was going to be an animator and Disney loved the portfolio, but they kept sending it back because they said, okay, you got to add this to it. You got to add that to it. But remember that was around 99, but that was also the end of hand drawn animation. Mm-hmm. Like after that computers were everything. Yeah. So I was, I was like, okay, um, maybe I can get a job in special effects and all this but, and I was, ended up doing security for movie sets and the whole thing and bumped into another guy. Now, what I'm saying is find the world you want to be in and be happy doing anything in that world. If you want to be in the art world, just be happy in that world. Like, I wanted to be in the sports world. I would have been happy being a tape guy or, or just working out the guys or whatever, but I ended up playing Same thing with Hollywood. If I would have ended up behind the scenes, working at a special effects shop, painting monsters and ghouls and goblins, I would have been just as happy as I am right now. You know what I mean? Because I would just give everything into it. But when you give everything, when you give a little bit more than you're expected, it always takes you higher. You you can't figure it all out. Because it's never going to be spelled out for you. And uh, that's the thing, too. I have to tell people a lot lot of times, school has trained people to just line up and take the obvious route. Mm -hmm. But, you know what I mean? It's kind of, in fact, school tells you a lot of times you're not going to make it. Like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, and this is the way to do it. But a lot of people who decide they're going to have to really, really do it, you almost have to buck. What the school has been telling you, <laughs> you know, now I, I love school. Don't get me wrong. School is absolutely essential, but, but it's only part of the piece. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're championing independent thinking along with a formal education.
1: It's exactly like, like when people feel like, okay, I got my degree. I should be doing this right now, but that's not the way it works. I have I, I, against people who went to Juilliard had full ride scholarships to Juilliard for acting. Mm -hmm. And I'm right there next to you, dude. (laughs) I didn't go to Juilliard. (laughs) I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm in Milan, but I didn't go, you know, I didn't go to Parsons. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to art center, but I'm there. You know why? Because school is necessary, but there's a missing piece, you know? And I like to tell people a lot of times talent is overrated, you know, there's an independent thinking. You got to want it. Once you figure out what you want, my God, nothing can stop you after that. And I knew we were going to make it in L.A., but I didn't know what it was going to be. That's the thing. So my thing for people is just to be courageous and figure out what it is you want. Now, you're going to have all kind of detour, but Ride the log. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I guess the log took me right. It, we had clothing in mind and it ended up in furniture. We didn't
0: resist. You thought you were going to do special effects and you ended up in front of the camera.
1: I didn't resist it. You don't resist. Let it go. You know, it's funny because people have their whole futures lined up and picked out. But if it goes left, you feel like you're going so, doing something wrong, but you're not. You're not doing anything wrong at all. Part of the world. And, and it's funny how everything comes back around in this really crazy, fun way. The most successful, amazing people that I have met have never taken a conventional route because there is no such thing as a conventional route. Everybody's story is different. It doesn't have anything to do with personality because a lot of people think, well, he just has this outgoing in it. I know very, very quiet Very, very meek and mild people who are amazing, (laughs) amazingly bold at what they do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You just have to have passion. If you have passion for something, don't stop it. Never, ever, ever let anybody take your passion, ever. And that doesn't mean being loud or whatever, just screaming and hollering. It means you just will not give up, ever.
2: I love that. I'm so inspired now. (laughs) I want to go out and do a whole bunch of new
0: stuff I've never done before.
1: (laughs) And do it. Just try it. Try it. And listen, what's going to happen is you're going to feel out of place. You're going to feel really weird. And that means it's working.
2: Oh, I hear you. I didn't even know that I could do a podcast. I'm not, you know, the best at talking to people, but I'm learning. And it, it feels weird. And I'm adjusting. And I'll get better at it. This, and
1: listen, <laughs> let me tell you, I, I I love this, and this is what I learned. I like doing live things. I like doing live things on TV and hosting live events because you don't know what's going to happen, and that makes other actors panic. Yeah, but it does. They want lines and tell me what to do. And, and, and but I love the fact that anything can happen at any moment. Okay, and that means it won't be boring. Right? <laughs> if you know. <laughs> Everything's gonna happen, everything's just laid out and it's all scripted, and nah, nah, nah. you're bored. If you ever watch a movie or watch something, you already know how it ends. You turn yeah. it off. Mm-hmm. But when it's live, you have no idea what's about to happen. And your eyes are peeled, and people are like, what? And the energy is flowing. Let me tell you something. That's art. <laughs> like, oh my God, what is about to happen here? You know? And I live here. I love living here, love living here, where you don't know what's going to happen. I told this to David Weeks, and he said, this is is weird, because he said, this changed my life. I was like, man, I said something to change David Weeks' life. Blew me away. I told him there's a big difference between fear and excitement. They feel exactly the same, okay? But know that you're not scared. You're just excited. And he went, oh, my God, because a lot of people have fear and they think it's fear, but you're not fear. You're just excited. Your body is reacting the same way as it went to fear. But it's excitement. So don't ever think you're scared. You're just excited. Once I found that out, I could do anything because I'm not scared. I'm just excited.
0: Oh, my gosh, that does change everything. It
1: (laughs) It changes everything, everything you go into a new relationship, a new person, I'm not scared of this world. I'm excited about the world. Now your body says, ah, it's a good, it's almost putting an optimistic spin on your situation. But when you go, I'm scared, you immediately, your body reacts as shut down, get away, get away from it, fight or flight. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. it gets weird. But when you say I'm excited, you embrace these things. You get into new situations. You understand what this stuff is and call it excitement. Call it what it is. And I'm telling you the truth. I am not lying to you. You are not scared. You are just excited. And this is for every artist out there.
0: That has been so inspiring. And we can't wait to see what's next from Terry Crews in general, but also in the design world. Can you tell us what's coming down the pike? Which way the log is going? <laughs> I know,
1: the, <laughs> log going. the log is going. log is going great way. Um, very, very, I, I cannot announce it yet. Not at all. But I have some very, very big, big meetings coming up. Very exciting.
0: Ooh. Will you promise us to come back on the podcast when you can announce it?
1: No, no, no. I promise. You're going to be the first one, that I call.
2: Oh, I like that.
1: When this goes down. It's going to shake up the world. It's so exciting, it's so beyond belief that I even I was like, Oh man, <laughs> you know? I mean? And it takes a lot to make me go, Oh wow. <laughs> this is one of the things that's happening. And when you hear about it, you'll go, That's exactly what he was telling me about. I hate to jinx it. It's almost like telling people you got a movie or telling it yeah. after a while. You just you just let it come. When it's supposed to come. That's another thing I learned. Just relax. <laughs> you know?
0: Well, you've definitely planted the seed of anticipation. Now, I know. We're all salivating to hear what this is.
1: <laughs> oh, but it's coming and it's going to be enormous. And it's it feels so good. You know, this is the world I love. This is the world I want to be in. And I'm not leaving. Hello Design World. Terry <laughs> Crews is here to stay. Art world, I'm never leaving. Remember the space? I'm here.
2: You are welcome here. And we are really, really excited and happy that you're here.
1: Oh, love you guys. Love you.
0: Open arm embrace. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you so much for talking to us. This has been amazing.
1: Thank you, Amy, Jamie. Uh, Again, I love you guys. And you have no idea how influential the work that you guys are doing right now. I'm telling you, it's absolutely phenomenal.
0: Well, thank you. Now I have a big head. I'm going to tell
2: everybody (laughs) to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> you deserve it you deserve it You're a great job you do guys great great work So awesome well,
2: we'll see you at the next design event
1: oh you got it thank you so much
2: thanks thank terry you.
0: oh my goodness
2: I'm so, I'm so inspired. Uh, We had
0: no control over that interview, just so our listeners know. We had a whole list of questions prepared (laughs) and Terry just took it, took it from us. But you know what? What?
2: We rode the log. We did. Jamie, we just rode the log with Terry We demonstrated (laughs) exactly what he meant by that. (laughs) But we're happy that it went in the direction that it went. I feel like I know a lot more about him and his background and his passion for design and why he's doing what he's doing. I also feel super inspired
0: I feel so inspired, and I feel ready to to really embrace all of the things that feel like challenges because now I'm excited about yeah, them instead of afraid. Not scared
2: anymore, just excited.
0: <laughs> just his spirit. I mean, he just has always had a, a macro perspective on his situation, right? He never seemed mired in the details. He always was able to zoom out and say, hey, this isn't what I want. I'm not staying here. And I'm not going to believe what you're going to tell me about this situation. I'm going to make my own. And I think
2: there's a lot of times when people are like stuck in the mire and they're trying to climb out, they can't really see past what's in their face. But for some reason, he was able to step back and look at things from a 20 or 30,000 foot view and get perspective. And a lot of people are unable to do that when they're stuck in something that's really a challenge. I'm actually really, really touched and amazed and so happy that he's such a champion
0: of design Oh yeah, and art, and he's such a vocal advocate, and he gets that these are the people that are actually going to see a better future, and they're going to be the ones who are able to yeah, execute. Yeah, I mean... He sees that. And so he's doing his part to reflect some of the light that shines on him onto the design world. We need it and we're grateful. (laughs) So grateful. I just think it's beautiful. And not to mention, he's got like a thousand watt smile. Oh, yeah. He's very charming.
2: Um, One of the other things that I really admired about him is that he's almost bringing back that patron slash benefactor, patron of the arts kind of situation where he is, you know, commissioning things and and supporting things and we don't see that as often and he's in the public doing it, which is even better because he's being vocal about it. You know,
0: so many people team up with talented designers because they want to exploit them somehow. They want to venture to make money, which is fine, you know, everybody needs to make money to earn a living, but he's just trying to support creativity because he knows without the pressure of having to turn it into a money-making business that creativity can really flourish. And when you let creativity really flourish, when you break some rules, when you get rebellious, when you champion a
2: designer like Eni Archibong, people take notice. And he's so multi-talented as well. I admire that he looks at new things as not so much a challenge and with no fear, but much more excitement. And I think if there's anybody who's in a job that they're not sure about or if there's just a challenge that's coming up that they're struggling with, I mean, you have to channel your inner Terry Crews. Like, just put his voice in your head. And I think I'm going to do this moving forward, too. Whenever my inner voice says, you can't do that, I'm, I'm going to re-listen to this and put Terry Crews in my head.
0: Yeah, he'll just be saying, you're not scared, you're right
2: <laughs> And on that <laughs> note...
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Clever. If you want to see some images of Amen and Amen, go to our show notes at cleverpodcast.com. And you can see pictures
2: of Terry's artwork as well.
0: And we would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And also give us a rating or write us a review. That really, really, really
2: helps us out. And we're so grateful. Yes, We love hearing from you. And we're on social media at Clever Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we love reading all of your comments. Continue following us and giving us your feedback. Yes, we're listening. And special thanks to Chris Model of Your Studio for
0: editing this episode and L-1011 for our music.